from KQED. Eight years ago, I'm out on my bicycle on Kenyatta Road in San Mateo. It's a hot summer day and I'm totally out of water, feeling thirsty and starting to panic. That's when I see a sign for Pulgus Water Temple next to an open gate. Water Temple? I think I've never heard of such a thing. Is it religious? Some kind of public space? But most importantly, is there a water fountain there? Once inside the gate, I do find some water, but also something utterly strange and surprising. A stately rotunda that looks like it was plucked right out of ancient Rome. Tall stone columns, ornate carvings, even an aquamarine reflecting pool. What is this place, I wonder? Turns out, Polgus Water Temple is something of a roadside attraction off nearby Interstate 280. It was just one of the things that you would see on the highway, um, and I'd go take pictures of it. Bay Curious listener Will Hoffneck of Patterson, California, enjoys photography and has been drawn to take pictures of this architectural oddity over the years. He was curious enough about this water temple initially, but then he found another one. Then there's Sunol, which is... Yeah, the one in Sunol off the 680. Will wrote to Bay Curious asking about our region's two water temples. And his question won a public voting round at baycurious.org. I'm just trying to understand better the history of those. It seems like an odd thing that there's these multiple kind of temples around. (laughs) What exactly are these water temples? Who built them? And why? Today in the show, we'll explore their grand celebratory origins, but also how they represent something much darker. Loss, death, and destruction in other parts of our state. We'll get into it all right after this. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Founded in 1980, it's still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And still the pale ale that sparked a craft beer revolution. Sierra Nevada, still the one. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts. To understand these water temples, why they're here and what they're for, KQED's Catherine Monahan took a trip to the Polgus Water Temple. We find her standing inside the room-sized structure surrounded by tall stone columns. In the center of the temple, you can look down through a hot tub-sized opening and see a stream of water running underneath. It's just seconds away from spilling into the Crystal Springs Reservoir. This now has a grate on top to keep kids from diving in. (laughs) Mitch Postal used to come here as a teenager in the 60s. Now he's the president of the San Mateo County Historical Society. Did people jump in and go down the slide? Yeah, so they would would jump in here. Did you? I'm not going to say. Carvings of lion's heads and curling foliage decorate the top of the temple. And around its crown is an inscription 
in giant letters that hints at this structure's history. So it says, I will give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people. And so that is um, in the Bible. Kind of grandiose, no? Oh, yeah. The story of this place starts back in the 1770s when the Spanish first settled in what is now San Francisco. The location they chose was perfect for controlling the entrance to the bay and from there, the interior of California. But it, for every other reason, it was a terrible place to establish a mission. I mean, the sun never seemed to shine. Sorry, San Franciscans. Uh, the soil was very sandy, but the worst problem was, and they realized this from the beginning, was water. There just wasn't much of it. There was Mountain Lake in the Presidio and Mission Creek, and that was enough for the few hundred people living there until the gold rush, when the population ballooned. Drinking water had to be barged in from Marin County in barrels. The barrels were strapped to the sides of donkeys and mules and, and sold in the streets of San Francisco. For as, how much? As much as a gold dollar a bucket. Dollar a gallon-ish? Uh, yeah. That doesn't sound all bad. Uh, wow. Think about, you know, 1850 when, you know, the average American worker was making about 75 cents a day. All right, let's do a little math. These days, the average American uses upwards of 100 gallons of water per day, most of it for flushing the toilet and bathing. But back then, those niceties would have cost you more than 100 times your income. Any thoughts about how that impacted, like, general hygiene? And, you know? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm sure it didn't help. As the population grew, San Francisco became more and more dependent on a private company called Spring Valley Water, which had bought up the freshwater sources to the south of the city. Their prices were extreme, but San Francisco was at the tip of a peninsula. What else could they do? Yeah, it was a monopoly. And um, I, I believe by 1880, something like 20% of the city's entire public budget was going into Spring Valley Water Company. You know, and so the city started searching for fresh water elsewhere. They asked the federal government for rights to the Tuolumne River up in Yosemite National Park, but the Secretary of the Interior said, no, you can't build a dam in a national park. And that was that. Until... 1906, when a massive earthquake struck San Francisco, causing fires that the city couldn't put out, in part because there wasn't enough water. Much of the city was destroyed. And so that became a big rallying cry uh, for San Franciscans that, hey, we really need to be a city that owns its own water supply. The federal government responded to the pressure and over the passionate objections of environmentalists, the city built a dam over 150 miles away in the Hetch Hetchy Valley and began work on a giant aqueduct to bring the water all the way here. It's the only time Congress has ever allowed a dam in an already established national park. The Spring Valley Water Company realized its monopoly was coming to an end, so it offered to sell out to San Francisco. Once they got the Hetch Hetchy, did they even really need Spring Valley? Well, yeah, they had to have a place to put the water. I see. So Hetch Hetchy gives a source. Yes. They built the aqueduct, but then they need storage. Yes. And those are these reservoirs here in, in the peninsula. That's correct. San Francisco bought out Spring Valley water and all the infrastructure it owned, which included not just reservoirs, 
but a giant water temple in Sanol, near Fremont. It's a replica of the ancient Temple of Vesta in Italy, which is near where several aqueducts came together on their way to Rome. One of the Spring Valley owners was a fan of the classics, and he had it built in 1910 to mark where three water sources came together on their way to San Francisco. When the Hetch Hetchy Aqueduct was completed in 1934, the city held a grand event to celebrate. It built a second temple at the end of the aqueduct, and some 20,000 people came out to watch mountain water flow through the circular Roman temple onto the peninsula for the first time. Except it was just a temporary temple. It was wooden plaster. Stephen Ritchie is with the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission. And they celebrated it, and it was a great event. Uh, and then after the event was over, they tore it down, and the permanent temple was built here, which is about a quarter mile away from the edge of the reservoir. For years, all the water from the Hetch Hetchy system passed through this temple. So at the time that it was built, this really was like the this end really of the was hose. The of, yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Really big hose. <laughs> <laughs> the Hetch Hetchy system transformed San Francisco. From desperately needing water, it gains such abundance that it now supplies it to much of the South and East Bay. The mountain water is exceptionally clear and clean. It's so pure coming off the uh, granite and the snowmelt in the Sierra, we don't have to filter it. Richie takes me out to walk on the dam of the Crystal Springs Reservoir, the one the temple flows into. It holds about 20 billion gallons of water when it's full. It's come all the way across the width of California to get to this point. It flows by gravity all the way here. The reservoir is vast and glittering, and the aqueduct that feeds it is over 150 miles long. Its builders brought supplies high into the mountains with no roads or power and tunneled through granite. This was uh, a, a grand endeavor uh, and is a tremendous engineering feat. This is the lifeblood of 2.7 million people here. When you turn on your sink in San Francisco, 85% of the water that comes out is from Hetch Hetchy. And it's delicious. So San Francisco solved its water problems, but the consequences to our east were dire for both people and wildlife. Let's head upstream now. Peter Dreckmeyer is with the Tuolumne River Trust. Of all the rivers in California's Central Valley, the salmon population is worst off in the Tuolumne River. And it happens to be San Francisco's water source. And the water source for other communities in California. Dreckmeyer says salmon numbers in the river are down to about 1% of historical levels. By diverting the Tuolumne's water, Californians are reducing the river's flow. And with less flow, the water gets a lot warmer, and it actually favors non-native fish like bass, which are now out-competing the native fish. To try to restore the ecosystem in the Tuolumne and the delta it flows into, the California State Water Board adopted the Bay Delta Plan. It would increase flows in the river, meaning the Bay Area might need to take less water from it. And San Francisco immediately sued. So we modeled what would happen if the Bay Delta Plan were implemented, and we found that San Francisco could easily manage it without running out of water. The city disagrees and is still fighting the plan in court.
If you follow the water system farther upstream, into the Sierra Nevada, you come to its beginning, the Hetch Hetchy Valley. It was home to Native Americans for thousands of years. Now it's underwater, flooded by the O'Shaughnessy Dam. Anthony Lerma is stewardship coordinator with the Southern Sierra Miwok Nation. Those rivers have ran red so many times throughout this history. Like, that's blood water that a lot of those people in the Bay are drinking. When the gold rush started San Francisco looking for new water sources, it also sent miners into the Sierra Nevada, displacing or killing the locals. Yosemite became a stronghold for Native Californians since it was remote and enclosed until a state-sponsored militia came and burned their villages, making way for what would become a national park and eventually a dam. The government came up here and forcefully took a lot of this land, you know, like a state-funded militia took, took most of this land and killed a lot of the people up here. Lerma is surprised to learn about the giant water temples over on the other side of the state. It's very, it seems very removed from what's, what the real story and relationship is with the water system and how it's really getting there and where it's really coming from. He says we should think about alternatives. At least some type of representation even down there. They built a big old, like, nice Roman, Greek, whatever, aqueduct thing. How about you build something that's more representative of the California history, our indigenous history as Californians? The San Francisco Public Utilities Commission is now constructing an interpretive center near the Sonol Water Temple. It's working with the local Muwekma Ohlone Nation to include an exhibit on their history. Back at the Polgus Water Temple, I lean over the opening in the center the one kids used to jump into, the one 20,000 people came out to see and listen to the water that we are taking from the river. The water that is both the lifeblood of a city and blood water. That was KQED's Catherine Monahan. There is much, much more to learn about Hetch Hetchy and drinking water in the Bay Area. Check out our show notes for some resources on where you can learn more. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. This episode of Bay Curious was made by Katrina Schwartz, Bianca Taylor, Christopher Beal, and me, Olivia Allen-Price. Additional support from Jen Chien, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, Maha Sanad, Holly Kernan, and the entire KQED family. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Thank you for listening. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play March's trivia game? Every month, we'll read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a sweet prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, this Bay Area high school holds the longest winning streak in high school football. They won 151 games in a row between 1992 and 2004. What is the name of the school? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, 
snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.